Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Market Weekend Review for the week ended April 22nd, 2022. My name is Beijing Lin, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Alex Kuzli. Alex, how are you? I'm great, Beijing. How are you? I'm doing great as well. Thank you for asking. So, Alex, there are sort of three topics that I wanted to touch on today. The first one being mortgage rates and the housing situation. The second one being some of the latest inflation data out of Canada and the Eurozone. The third thing I want to touch on today is some data points out of China. So why don't we start with a look at the housing sector? 30-year fixed mortgage rates in the U.S. have risen noticeably, and in the recent week, they're now in excess of 5%. Can you talk us through what this development means for the housing sector and maybe some of the other data points that you're keeping an eye on with respect to housing? Yeah, sure, Bei Chen. So I think the first thing to note is that we do know that housing is one of the most interest rate sensitive parts of the economy. Uh, and you're certainly seeing that with that moving mortgage rates, we have seen a pretty sizable decline uh, in mortgage, mortgage applications. I think the US stands out a little bit relative to some other countries, and we'll go to them in a second, uh, in that there is still very tight uh, inventory. Uh, which means that the typical sign of you know softer housing isn't probably going to come through this year, just given that inventory is still quite tight and perhaps it's more what will happen next year. But we are seeing the impacts playing through in, in other regions, so particularly close to me in Australia and New Zealand, where New Zealand have raised, the central bank have raised rates uh, already quite a bit. Australia haven't, but are set to raise rates in the next couple of months. And we are starting to see signs of, you know, the strength is starting to slow, if not actually fall particularly in New Zealand, on the back of those interest rate rises. I think the last country where the housing market is still really interesting and fragile is in China. We've obviously had the property sector under a lot of pressure now for for close to eight, nine months. And we've seen home prices and volume still quite soft in China. There's been some initiatives to try and improve the demand for mortgages and for home purchases. And that, that will probably start to flow through, but we really aren't seeing those signs yet. So generally, the US is probably in a bit of a better spot on the housing market, given that tight inventory. And elsewhere, we're starting to see those that strength being pulled out as rates start to rise. Right, for sure. And part of the, the reason is also because in many countries around the world, the more common mortgage structure is a variable interest rate, whereas in the US, you have these long 30-year fixed mortgages. Let's move on now and talk a little bit about inflation. So Canada and the European Union both released inflation data. Can you walk us through some of the highlights of those reports and what it means for central bank policy? Yeah, so starting in Europe, we had uh, core CPI come in at 2.9%, uh, which is actually slightly below expectations of 3 uh, but nonetheless, still still quite elevated. Uh, and then in Canada, uh, inflation accelerated sharply. Headline was at 6.7%, uh, well above consensus expectations of 6.1%. I think in terms of central banks, the Bank of Canada have already been hinting that they're going to be looking at another 50 basis point hike. So similar to the Reserve Bank of New Zealand, they did a 50 basis point hike recently. Uh, they're pointing to another 50 basis point hike. And then in Europe, the ECB, we still think that the ECB are, are going to be lagging most central banks, uh, with the exception of the Bank of Japan. But nevertheless, we are getting closer and closer to the point at which you know the ECB are eventually going to have to raise rates uh, at least a couple of times. Definitely a watch point for us to keep in mind. Finally, let's talk about China. And I know you already touched on the property sector, but I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a little bit more about how you're seeing the Chinese growth story play out this year 
Obviously, the Chinese government have set this five and a half percent GDP growth target. Do you think that's something that's still achievable? Uh, look, it's it could be achievable. We don't think it's likely. When it got announced, we didn't think it was likely. And I think what has happened in the last month, given the COVID experience, where you know, even right now, the you know we have areas that account for about fourteen percent of GDP under some form of lockdown. Um, that five and a half percent is a really difficult target to get to right now. We do think that there's probably more stimulus coming in the form of fiscal spending and probably a little bit more on the monetary easing side. Uh, and we got a bunch of data this week. And I think the really important thing to look at that was to, that we looked at was the unemployment rate, which saw further weakness. That's a really important watch point for the Chinese government, given the import, the political importance this year. Uh, and that has been one of our signposts for a more aggressive policy response. We've had some announcements from the People's Bank of China, their central bank, on they want to plan to increase monetary and credit policy support. Most of it was pretty much already known or had already been signaled from the PBOC. But the one bit that wasn't was there is a signal that they're going to relax some of the restrictions on the local government financing vehicles. And these have been challenged, and this links back to property. Uh, these financing vehicles have been challenged with soft land sales that back the you know the borrowing of those. So that's, again, kind of at the margin, an encouraging sign. I think on the COVID thing, the COVID side of things, it's still quite difficult to see an end game here um, because the two key factors is the fact that the vaccination rate of the elderly in China is is significantly lower than what you see in most of the developed world. In that their, their, campaign, their rollout campaign kind of worked backwards in that it was a bit of a challenge to get elderly people vaccinated. That means you have that vulnerable population that, you know, are still vulnerable. And the second thing is that I think the way out that we're looking at is as these COVID treatments or the Pfizer treatment that is uh, has been agreed to be produced in China or they're allowed to produce it in China, as that gets towards mass production, uh, that probably gives you a better way for the Chinese government to relax restrictions uh, and be a little bit more comfortable with living with COVID. But that's still a couple of months away. So I think in the near term, still a lot of volatility given COVID and, and that five and a half percent is just becoming really difficult to achieve given what is happening right now. That's very insightful commentary, Alex. Thank you so much for stopping by and to our viewers, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week on Market Weekend Review.